Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, today I want to talk to you about how you are anointed. You're anointed. You probably knew that already. But I want to go deeper today, and I want to encourage you that on this day that we celebrate fatherhood, obviously the original father is our heavenly father. And we know that in the beginning, things started off well, and then it fell apart. But God had a plan, and I want to talk about that plan today, and you are that plan. And I want to begin in Isaiah chapter 61, and I want to read a verse of scripture, a couple of verses. We're going to dig in a little deeper here today, and, and, uh, but I want to encourage you. In Isaiah 61, starting in verse 1, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now, a portion of this you may be familiar with because Jesus opened the scroll on the day of his uh, essentially coming into ministry. And he read it, and he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And he said, after he read it, he said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And of course, we know what began to take place. The kingdom of God was displayed through the ministry of Christ. But what most of us forget is that Jesus said, now I'm leaving, and I'm giving this ministry to you as the people of God. This ministry is now Ours, as prophecy is, prophecy initially, this, this word was initially for the heart of Isaiah, and Isaiah knew that that was his ministry. But then it had a much deeper meaning as it was uh, claimed by Christ himself, and the messianic purpose came forth out of these verses of Scripture. And as that came to fulfillment, now it comes forward once again in the people of God. So now we need to read this differently. We need to read it as our display, as our ministry, as what God has called us to do as the church. We're anointed, folks. We've been anointed by God himself to be his arm of blessing to the planet. If we break it down, you see four distinct callings. Number one, to preach. Of course, we have pulpits, but it doesn't just stop here. It doesn't just... Um, and in that sense, we've, we've limited the scope of what preaching is all about. The truth is, the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia, called out of the world to be salt and light, as Jesus said. We're called to preach the good news. We're called to tell everyone to go to the poor, the poor in spirit, and those who are experiencing poor uh, in, in their economic uh, status, 
to go and to tell them the good news. Guess what? Your dignity, your place on this planet is not determined by the money you have in your pocket. As a matter of fact, the beauty is in the kingdom of God, that is all completely done away with. It's not, it, what, it, the hope that we have is that when we go to heaven, we'll experience the riches of God. Now, not to say that we can't experience the riches of God here, but the good news is we can tell everyone that guess what? You're now a priest. <laughs> You're now blessed beyond measure. You may not be able to stack or count it here, but certainly it's in your account. Certainly we know what we have been given, <clears throat> and we're all called to preach that. God has anointed us, as it says here. He said the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because the Lord has anointed us to preach good news, not bad news. Not any other news, but good news. What else has he told us or called us to do? To prepare. To prepare a place. A place of love and grace. A place to be healed and purposed. Now this is where the church really kicks in. Because <clears throat> if you think about it, Jesus was never able to really do that. He said the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. He went from place to place. He was a, a troubadour, you know, of the kingdom of God, going from place to place, telling the good news, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. You know the story? For three years, Jesus was a, a nomad in the spirit, if you will. No place to lay his head. No place to call home. But there was the promise of home. There was the promise of building a place where the gospel could continue to pour out day after day, day after day, where people could come, learn the good news, be trained, to be equipped, to be purposed, and then sent out. Jesus spoke of this. He called it the church. The first one to use that word. And of course, the disciples took a hold of it. Paul and Peter, John, they took a hold of that word. They knew exactly what to do with it. They began to gather people. As more and more people came to Christ, there in the book of Acts, it says 3,000 came to Christ, and one day they all began to see, wow, this is, this is something. We're not going to be just a few that wander here and there. We're not going to be like Christ in his ministry anymore. There is a place where we're now going to set up camp, that we're going to build a tent. We're going to build a gathering place for God's people to come together to worship, to learn to grow, and to continue to invite. As long as this earth keeps spinning, the church would continue in its anointing to preach and to prepare. So, to prepare a place. How do we prepare that place? What's it to look like? Are there any plans? Well, we could go all Old Testament and go back to the tabernacle and build tabernacles. To be honest with you, that's exactly what the, the church did. They started making the flying buttresses and the tall cathedral ceilings. They felt like they needed to have a building that would express the glory of God. Nothing really wrong with that, except that in time, people began to focus on the building rather than on the purpose. People, began to get, people could not get stirred. They couldn't understand who they were called to be unless they had a building that caused them to look up to heaven. There was a reason for it, albeit short-sighted and losing the focus of what God had initially intended. But we're called to prepare. 
We're called to prepare a place where people can come and grow, be discipled, and gather. Once again, I ask the question, what is it to look like? This is what I believe. doesn't matter. It just needs to be a place. It just needs to be a place that people feel comfortable to come. It needs to be a place where, we, where people feel invited. Driving down the road one time, seeing a sign out there, and I'm not opposed to having signs. We have our signs out there. And, but, you know, uh, we, we've kind of resulted or, or come to this place where we create signs to communicate or believe. And it said, All vi- this is Visitor's Day. All visitors are welcome on this one Sunday. What if I miss it? You know, what if I got something going on? I, I, I'm playing. God bless that church. But it got me to thinking, you know what? That's kind of our mentality. And we forget who we're called to be. And that is to have open doors. <laughs> to be a place that, is, that it's constantly, it's open. It, it, it allows people to come. It allows people to experience the grace of God. You know, I think of the nine that had just finished that prayer down in South Carolina. Breaks our heart to think of it. But you know, they're martyrs. Because the next face they saw was Jesus Christ. And, what, and we've talked about this. What they were doing was what Jesus called them to do in their very last breath. One, being inclusive. Part of us wants to just say, that guy should have been collared and thrown out the door the moment he walked in. But did they do right by allowing him to stay? They did. Because that's what the church is called to do. In the end, their knives will not be lost. What they gave, what they did with their lives was probably more powerful in those few minutes than probably the years before. That's a hard thing to say. But no greater love does anyone give than to give their life, to show that. So they were found preparing a place, weren't they? Praying. Asking God to bless. Asking God to increase his kingdom. Doing what we're called to do. It's hard for us to get our heart around. But folks, I wonder... Is it time for the church to remember who we are and what we've been called to do? To preach good news instead of bad news. Instead of going around pointing our bony finger at people to tell them to stop sinning. To, it, it not, you know, it, God's going to deal with that. Our message is, guess what? Jesus loves you. He died for you. And we've prepared a place. Come. Come fellowship with us. Come worship where there's freedom. Come, come and, and, and connect. Come to a place where you're safe to love people from all economic strata, every race and every kind, a place where we're freed. To, that's the heart of God is to prepare a place like that. We prepare it not just physically. we got four walls. We've got a building. We're meeting in a place that used to be a bar. Hallelujah. And I still think that's the most awesome thing. I know you may think I'm crazy, but, I, man, I do. Talk about a picture of redemption, huh? But more than just a building, we're called to prepare a place where you can feel it, where you know it, where the word of God is preached unashamedly, and people can be loved 
And people have the opportunity to reach across the aisle and connect and talk. You know what? Last, last Sunday we had our, uh, our Awaken. I just encourage you to come to those. It was just so powerful. And afterward, people didn't want to leave. They just hung out, talking, fellowship, and praying for one another. I'm like, look, we got to turn off the lights. Now i got to go. <laughs> I guess we'll get to the point where it's just going to be 24 hours, right? We'll just stay open all the time and just, just let the kingdom of God go on. Preparing a place, a place of love, a place of grace, a place to be healed and purposed. Not a halfway house. Mm-mm. You come here, you got problems, welcome. Come on in, man. We love you no matter what's going on inside you. To be honest with you, we've probably seen it all. But we're not going to leave you there. We're going to love you through it. And we're going to help you change. We're going to help you. We're going to say, look, let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit who will sanctify you, who will go inside you and help you get rid of these life-dominating issues, to help set you free from hatred and bitterness, to help set you free from idolatry, expose you to the truth, and help you through it. And when you stumble, we'll be there to pick you back up again. Absolutely. You know why? Because we were that person not long ago. That's called the kingdom of God. That's the church preparing a place. What else are we called to do? To proclaim. What's the difference between preaching and proclaiming? Well, preaching obviously is with the intention to actually give the good news, but to proclaim the Lord's season of favor. Now is the time, and no one left out. To proclaim it. I'd like to see it as more as, as what comes from our life. Preaching is more of what we're speaking with our mouth. Proclaiming, yes, it's obviously, it's a, it, it, it speaks of, of, of talking and, and yelling it out, but I think proclamation comes more from our life. To live it. And to live and to tell people lovingly, this is the season of God's favor. The church as long as there's a building here that has Valley Community Church on the front, as long as those doors are open on a Sunday morning or any other night of the week or in the daytime, it's the season of favor. But the truth is this, that season is not always going to be here. Just as eventually this summer will be gone and the leaves begin to turn and we go into another season, so will another season come upon the earth. The day when that door will be closed. And no longer can somebody say, come and come to the front and say, Jesus, would you come into my heart and, and receive a box that has a Bible and information how you can take... I mean, that day is coming when you can no longer do that. The door will be shut. And then finally, to provide a place of gladness. A place of gladness where that is the focus. To provide in what takes place here a continual feast of bringing joy. See, people, I think, and, and I learned this many, many years ago, probably about 25 years ago, because I used to think that the church service was supposed to be about getting, that I was supposed to come that day and receive something, and that, that I was there to just like, you know, and unless it was hot now and it was, and it was anointed, I was like, oh man, this isn't good. Then, something began to open my heart and mind. I began to see, you know what? Sundays are not so much about that. Sundays are about celebration. Sundays are as much about giving to God what is due his name as anything else. Isn't that a kingdom principle that you've heard before? Give first 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, when we come on Sunday mornings, don't get up in the morning and just say, well, I'm feeling really drained. Man, I hope Pastor Dave's got a hot word that's going to you know, set me free today. No, that shouldn't be what you're thinking. Your thought should be, you know what? I can't wait to go and celebrate God. I want to celebrate Jesus to proclaim his name, to, let, to provide a place. And that's really what our heart is. See, but we're all doing this together. We all provide a place that when we celebrate, when, when Miss Andrea is up here and she's providing an opportunity for us to celebrate, that's your chance, by the way. I mean, okay, we got singers, we got choir, we got musicians, but you're all a part of that. We're all singing and making a glorious sound unto heaven, and it goes up to God. And God hears it, and his name is uplifted. And I truly believe, and this is getting a little Old Testament, but, but I, I believe that when men, those praises up, go up, that God rains down his favor upon us. So if you want something God, from God, and you need something from God, and there's nothing wrong with identifying that, by the way. Jesus told us to do it. Right? You ask not because you, you have not because you ask not. So, man, we lift it up. We praise him. We celebrate him. We create an atmosphere of God to be able to pour down into our life blessings. Oh, man, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And I remember when that switched in, excuse me, <clears throat> when that switched inside me, what a powerful thing that began to, you know, it, it, it took a lot of heat off of me of what I was expecting and how it would happen on a Sunday morning. I would say, you know what? All God wants me to do is celebrate him today, and he's going to take care of the rest. That's good, isn't it? You know, it just, it just takes all of it. So we're supposed to provide that, a place of gladness, now, you know, sometimes in seasons it's important to, to preach, and, and, and as you know I do, and, and, and often do speak about the culture and what's going on. But I'm not going to hit you upside the head with the Old Testament. I don't talk about hell a lot. It's there. <laughs> and it's waiting for those who do not fear God. But the truth is what we're called to do is to provide a place of gladness. A place, you know, hell's going to take care of itself. Yes, there are some who come in through the fire. And you know what? There's a time for preaching about that. It's not today. A place where people can be filled with joy to celebrate. So where does this happen? When does this happen, folks? We are the people of God. We are his church. But here, that begs the question, why the church then? Why the church? Because it is God's method of making his vision, his plan, and his glorious joy known to the earth. You know, I talk about this quite often to just say, look, don't give up on the church. And probably right now, statistically, there's, there's and, and who knows why? It's a darkness, that, it's, a, it's a mist that is gathered over our nation, and we need to pray that out of here. But, I mean, faith in God is at an all-time low right now. People are giving up. And there's a lot of hopelessness out there. And you know what? That's when the church needs to really arise. That when the devil comes in in a flood, right? That we raise up a standard against it. And how will God do that? How will God do that? The church. Folks, I have searched the Bible, front cover to back cover, and I found no other option. No other option. We are it. Can we go back to our verse? The Spirit of the Lord is on us 
because the Lord has anointed us to preach good news to the poor. He has sent us. Ecclesia. He has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to be that place. Now, let me read the rest of this, and, and again, to get the scope of the church and what we're called to do, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Man, does that not describe what can take place in an instant when a person who has been eaten up with sin, who's been eaten up with, with living outside the scope of God's loving care, the moment they accept Christ, the moment, <clears throat> excuse me, they're flooded with joy. They're flooded with hope. They feel like they've come home. That's what we're called to do. Man, isn't that, the language here is just awesome. Beauty instead of ashes. Because, man, I'll tell you what, this world robs of us of our beauty. Man, does it steal it. Does it rob us of, of what makes us, uh, not, not physical beauty. We all know that you can take a person who's as ugly as a stump, fill them with the joy of the Lord, and there's a, <laughs> I'm sorry, not that I would know what the difference is, but anyway, um, but you fill them with the joy of the Lord and the beauty of a loving spirit. There's something that just goes beyond physical beauty. You know what I'm saying? So true. You've heard of the face that only a mother could love, right? Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. But again, we won't talk about it again. All right, so. Beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness <clears throat> instead of mourning. Mm. You know, mourning is, is something that robs. And, you know, when we lose loved ones, what is the, the oil of gladness? The oil of gladness is that reminder that we're eternal beings, my friends. And it doesn't end here. You know, the thought, my dad's death was swallowed up in victory. Swallowed, just whole. When I lost him, I knew, and I even to this day know that I'm not going to be able to have those kind of conversations in this life ever again. But you know what? It won't be long before we're reunited. And we'll be together and we'll be able to talk. And my dad will talk my ear off as he always does. And I'll be like, Dad, tell you what, I'll, I'll get back to you, man. I don't need to go and talk with Peter over here. The oil of gladness. See, we can have that oil of gladness right now because there are those who when, when we think when you don't have eternity in your heart, when you're not coated with the understanding of who we are eternally and what the, such an awesome gift we've been given, man, I tell you, you don't have that, that is a mourning. That is a sadness. That is a darkness and despair to the point where people are willing to give their lives suicidally to destroy others for nothing, for nothing. Hopeless, purposeless. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Mm. Our lives clothed with a whole new meaning. And I love it. We'll be called oaks of righteousness, or the planting of the Lord. Hastening back to what we, we talked about last week in Psalm 1. There we are. Not just a tree by the living water, but an oak. That oak that stands strong, that's unmovable. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And there is kind of the dual meaning here. 
one that we, we can be that oak tree as individuals, but really what I'm after here today is what we stand as a church, an oak tree, unmovable, a place where people can come under its canopy. People can come and, and rest and know that there's stability, that there's protection, there's fruitfulness. Look at verse 4 I, from Isaiah 64, and I'm going to go a little deeper. It says here, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, and they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Again, spiritual language to describe what God's people are called to do over and over and over again. Man, the moment you're called together as a people, you're not called to destroy and tear down. You are called to rebuild. Just like the people of God, when they came back to Israel, they didn't just say, well, we'll just live on this big old rock pile. Nope. They started to do what? Rebuild. A place where they knew they could have identity, where they knew that they could experience the continued favor of God. Folks, that's what we're called to do, both spiritually and physically, I believe. I believe the church is called to come into our communities and to restore. That's, that's our only purpose. I mean, that's, that should be our gear. We shouldn't be hidden off in corners. We shouldn't say secretly on Sunday mornings we've got our own liturgies and our own things. I mean, the church is not called to be that. Jesus said, look, I don't put a light on a hill so that you put a basket over the top of it. He said, I have placed you here to be light. And that's why we should not make much of our physical dwelling. Because look, we only come here to celebrate, but when we're done, we'll go out there. We need to go out there and rebuild. We need to go and to speak. We need to uplift. We need to be that salt and light. Talks about they. Who is it? It's God's people. The former poor, the oppressed and the bound. Now, oaks of righteousness. The church has been given the authority and the anointing to transform, to rebuild, and to restore not only the earth. And how do we do that? Through prayer. Through prayer and feet and boots on the ground living. Folks, I don't know if this discourages you. I don't know if this causes you to wonder, have, am I rethinking? I hope it does. I hope this interrupts your whole thinking of what the church is all about. But folks, I'm telling you, why does not the church experience more anointing than it does? It's because we're on the wrong railroad tracks. God says, look, I can't anoint that. I've got an anointing, but you're trying to build something that is totally different than what I'm after. And that is to preach good news. That is to prepare a place. That is to proclaim the year of God's acceptance rather than God's judgment. Judgment will come in its time. And yes, there are times when we need to remind the community, but you know what? I have a funny feeling God's going to take care of that all in his own time. It says aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. It speaks of the time of the Gentiles. Now he's speaking to the Israelites and saying, look, there's a time coming. There's aliens coming. That this whole scope of what, who's going to be a part of the church is no longer just you. And you'll be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of God. And you will feed on the wealth of nations. And in your riches you will boast. 
See, there is a, there's a spiritual strata I want to call to you. This is a prophecy speaking of where the church is going to experience this. Did you know that any time right now, man, if you want to go to any nation, you can go there to try to set up a business. But I tell you what, if you link into what you've been called to be as a Christian, you can go to that nation to proclaim and share the good news of Jesus. You know what? I loved it when a lot of military guys who know Jesus, their goal was to go over there when their boots hit the ground. They said, from here on out, I may fight for the U.S. government, but man, I'm going to pray and I'm calling in the Spirit of God on these nations. They knew. They knew that they're warriors of a different kind. We're called to be the same thing. That's the church, folks. That is the church. We're called priests of God. Isaiah was getting a picture of it. He saw these people, he saw peoples in robes and said, but they look like priests. Who are these people? And there, there's aliens among them. Some of them are not Jews. Who are these people? The church. He was seeing us. Oaks of righteousness. How do we become oaks? Of course, of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Amen? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's where our roots go. That's who we are. It's what we're called to be. Instead of their shame, verse uh, 7, instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. So they will inherit a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. Who is this? The church. The church. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Hmm, new covenant. Ding, 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 ding. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Why do people hate Christians? Because they're blessed. Thanks a lot. So true. Why is there such a, that, that spirit to jab and attack? Because we've been given such a great gift. Eternal life. And an inheritance. Isaiah is seeing ahead and he's seeing these descendants. He said, we'll be among the nations. The gospel is being preached all over the earth right now. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Hmm. Makes you wonder where Paul was getting the imagery, where Jesus was tapping it right here, folks. That's where he got it. He looked ahead and saw us clothed with garments of salvation and a robe of righteousness. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. How is God going to make this happen? Through the church. Anywhere throughout the nations, anytime, anywhere, in most nations, that is to say, and even those nations where it is against the law to be a Christian who proclaims the gospel, they're still doing it. Underground, some of these places, even today, within the past week, have been rushed 
and the Christians taken out into the street and beheaded for doing what we read about right here. But it's happening all throughout the nation. How will it happen? Through the church. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. Jesus often referred to the church as a bride. Paul did too in Ephesians chapter 5. The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You will be called a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor for the Lord's hand. You will be a crown of splendor of the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hisphaba, my delight, and your land Beulah, which means married. That's cool. I remember when I was reading that. God says, you're going to be the delight of my heart. Who is the apple of God's eye right now? Who is the apple of God's eye? The church, my friends. The church, those who <clears throat> align themselves with the people of God. Again, don't think in terms of a building. Don't think in terms of, 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 of orthodoxy and what people believe. But for those people who say that Jesus Christ is Lord and gather together to worship his name, that's the church. He says, where what? Two or three are gathered in my name. There I will be, the church. And in that place, folks, is where God is pouring out pouring out his righteousness, pouring out his splendor, pouring out his new name, giving us a new name. Look at this again. He says, my delight. Don't you love that? It's like my kids. It's like Andrew, you know, he was getting ready to go to a party, and I, was, I had to step outside. I came back in. He had dressed himself. So he had a polo shirt with a tie. He had a jacket that was too short. He had cowboy boots on. And whatever mess was going on there, he tried to do his own hair, and we won't even get into that. He was all ready to go for the party, and all I could do was look at him and say, son, I love you. You're a mess, but you know what? I love you. Now, how many times do our awkward attempts at trying to be the kind of people that God has called us to be, that we try to dress it up, we try to do what we do, and God just says, you know what, you're my delight. And he takes delight in us, and we make so much, and we fight over how we do what we do. You know, we had to raise the stage because we're getting ready for, for uh, Beauty and the Beast. And I just thought, you know what, I wonder if anybody in, one, in any sense ever struggled with that. And I just thought to myself, you know, God looks down and says, I love you. I love you. Why? Because, man, you're trying to make my praise glorious. You're trying to proclaim. Look, folks, if we're trying to proclaim, if our heart is to preach and to prepare and to proclaim and to provide, God looks down and says, you know what? It may not be exactly what I would have done. I wouldn't put the tie on the polo. But I love you just the same. I love you for trying. I love you. And that was the thing that just, he was so excited about the party. He was just so excited, and he wanted to get a jump on it, knowing he was doing something for dad. That's the way God looks at us. He gives us a new name, my delight. And I love the second part, married. 
See, this whole prophecy has the nuances over and over again that we know that Paul dipped into in Ephesians chapter 5 and said, you know what, we are what? The bride of Christ, married. Which is why marriage right now, all of this that's going on in the Supreme Court and all that, see, nobody really understands what's really at stake here. They really don't. But the whole wedding is a picture of the coming of Christ. I don't know if you knew that, but that's what it is. The bride coming down, the groom waiting, the church coming again, Jesus waiting for us to come to him and then being reunited. That day is coming. That's why it's such a holy event to us. Because it speaks, as for believers, that is, of that coming when we'll be married finally. It says, the Lord will take great delight in you and your land. Your land will be married. He goes on to say that your land, and and that's interesting. Because basically what he's saying is your purpose is going to be married together with my purpose. Because Jesus said, go and proclaim, go and tell. He said, look, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to anoint you so that you can preach good news, so that you go and declare it. Folks, you want more anointing in your life? Then start proclaiming. Start telling people about the good news. And God will make sure you have everything you need. What I'm saying is you've got to be the church, my friends. You've got to get in. You've got to become it. You've got to gather together. This is not a time to lose hope and faith. This is not a time to scatter to the winds because then you're easy prey, my friends. Easy prey. But man, when you gather together as the people of God and you accept this anointing and you've, you've bitten into and accepted the, 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 the anointing that comes from the sovereign Lord, then you're going to be an oak of righteousness and you're going to be purposed and you're going to be married and you're going to have a new a delight that comes from God. All of this was foreseeing the coming, the coming of the new covenant of what Jesus would do on the cross. Man, who knew that so much would happen to that one event? Of course, a powerful event, his passion. But man, it continues to roll out as to the impact of what Jesus did on the cross. Every generation. So I want to tell you today, don't lose heart. Do not lose heart. God loves you. He's for you. He's given you a new name. He's anointed you. But look, you're going to find it only in one place. You're not going to find it alone. You're not going to find it when you become disheartened and wander off the trail. You're going to find it arm in arm with the people of God. You're going to find it as you find your place. So I want to encourage you today. You know what? We celebrate Father's Day today, but we've got a Heavenly Father. I'm not really, you know, gung-ho about the worldly celebration days and things that we do. But you know what? If we can use that to springboard us, right, to our Heavenly Daddy, to our Heavenly Father who says, you know what, I love you. In all your awkward attempts to please me, I'm for you. Go for it. Keep doing it. You'll get better at it. So church, don't give up. We're going to get better at what we do. And God loves us for every attempt at trying to proclaim and let people know. Man, I tell you what, his, his thought of innovation and creativity that comes out of us, God is just pleased. Pleased as punch, as they say. So let's stand up this morning. He loves you.
in response to that love, the best thing that we can do is just surrender to it. And you know what? You may say, well, it's still awkward, Pastor David. Aren't we supposed to be perfect as he is perfect? You know what? I leave that up to him. It's his job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to help me. And it's all, all we have to do is say, Lord, would you speak to me? <laughs> would you lead me? Would you get me? I, I mean, would you take me to the next level? I'm open to it, Lord. Help me not to be stubborn, you know, thick-headed, filled with legalism and judgment and all other negative things. But Lord, fill me with your love and lead me on your track. Let me be the kind of person that embraces the church. So let's pray together. Lord, I pray right now. God, would you open our hearts to new levels? Lord, a tragedy happened this past week in a church. And Lord, who knows what kind of things are being said about that. Certainly all kinds of negative, evil things. But Lord, this is not the first time that an atrocity has taken place in a church. The early Christians were dragged off in the middle of their services, put into prison. Many of them put to death. But Lord, they persevered. And they pressed on because they were not going to let the enemy win. We know what the source and the solution is. Lord, let us press on to not give up, to not lose hope. Lord, right now, we accept the challenge of the church. If that's your heart today, just tell them, Lord, I accept. I'll take your hand in marriage. I will receive your name, my delight. I will receive your righteousness so that I might be considered an oak of righteousness, unshaken, unmoved in these times. Lord, because you're coming again, Lord, for the oak. Lord, not a, not a wilted branch or a tree in the desert alone, cut off, bearing no fruit. But Lord, planted by the rivers of living water, growing with a huge canopy, with fruit that's laden with fruit, Help us, God. Help us as a church here at Valley, God. Lord, we're not the only church. There are many churches in this town, in this region. Lord, this is our call. This is our place. Lord, help us to be the best representation of the kingdom we can possibly be. And it all begins, Lord, with our mutual faith, our mutual coming together under the call and the vision of this place. Unique in every way. But Lord, let us Lord, be determined to stay on that track, every one of us. Lord, bless us, keep us, make your face shine upon us today. Lord, I pray that you'd remove every vestige, Lord, every remnant, God, of dis disparagement, God, to be uh, uh, discouraged, Lord, or hopeless or fearful. Remove all of that from us right now. And in its place, God, would you bring hope, peace, Lord, purpose, or faith, renewed faith in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.